And now introducing Mr. Keith Lanton. Hey, good morning. Three-day weekend. The honoring of Martin Luther King's birthday yesterday. Today is January 16th, so just a little bit past halfway through the first month of the year already. And this morning we're going to talk about some interesting facts about Martin Luther King Jr. And then we'll uh, dive right into financial markets, discuss interest rates and the Federal Reserve and uh, the outlook for what they're going to do this year and the two different paths that may possibly play out. Of course, there's always a third, fourth, and fifth path that we're not even aware of that could uh, transpire. But we'll talk about the two most likely paths going forward and what implications that may have for the uh, stock and bond markets. We'll talk about Barron's, which talked about the changes in interest rates and what effect that may have on um, markets as well, as well as summary of Barron's roundtable where they had some uh, market uh, pros get together and uh, give their outlook for the year. And we'll also discuss not dividend aristocrats, but dividend kings. And we have time. We'll talk about healthcare stocks, and then we'll turn things over to Brad. And uh, Brad will give us his thoughts about the markets. And uh, again, bond markets continue to be the the leaders uh, of of all other asset classes in uh, 2022, 2023, and now in 2024. So before we begin, yesterday uh, financial markets were closed due to the honoring of Martin Luther King Jr. and his birthday. And some uh, interesting uh, information about uh, Dr. King. He was the uh, first black person to be named Time Man of the Year. You may have heard this before, but as a reminder, uh, Martin Luther King improvised part of his I Have a Dream speech. That uh, speech, which took place in March in the March on Washington in 1963, almost didn't include those powerful words because uh, Dr. King had uh, often uh, said in the previous speeches, he had harped on the theme of having a dream, and his aides before the speech suggested that he not repeat himself. But as the crowd of about a quarter of a million people in Washington gathered, gospel singer Mahalia Jackson called out to him, tell him about the dream, Martin. He paused and then decided to leave his prepared notes behind to improvise the next section of his speech. Martin Luther King is the only non-president whose birthday is a national holiday. He started college at age 15. He went to Morehouse College and he skipped grades 9 to 12 and was admitted to college uh, at 15. The King family paid the hospital bill for the actress uh, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts' parents ran a... uh, a place where children could go after school for theater. And the King family asked if they could enroll their students uh, after struggling to find a place to enroll them for theater. And the Roberts family uh, said absolutely. And when the Roberts family was having financial difficulties, the King family uh, helped pay for her birth. Dr. King was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize at age 35, the youngest person to ever ever receive that uh, award. And Martin Luther King was not born Martin Luther King. He was born Michael King Jr. He was actually born on January 15th in 1929. In 1934, his father, a pastor at Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church, who was also named Michael King, went on a religious trip around the world and was inspired by Germany's Protestant Reformation figure Martin Luther, whose advocacy and teachings challenged the Catholic Church and decided that uh, in honor of Martin Luther that he would change the name of his son. So, here we are the day after Martin Luther King's birthday, halfway plus through the month, and 
we are once again uh, contemplating what the Federal Reserve is going to do about interest rates. And as we uh, approach the middle of 2000, January of 2024, the narrative seems very similar to the way it was at the end of last year, where we are focusing on the Fed. What What is different is the story has shifted from will the Fed raise interest rates, which was uh, what we were talking about just two or three months ago, then maybe two months ago the narrative shifted to perhaps the Fed won't raise rates, but it's going to be higher for longer. And now it's so easy to forget where we were just a few months ago. Now we're all talking about when will be the first cut in interest rates and how many 2024 federal rate reductions can we expect. And the expectation lies between the Fed's dot plots, which the Federal Reserve released at their last uh, meeting, which are indicating that we may see three rate cuts this year, and the Fed Fund futures, which uh, are pricing in six rate cuts, although this morning we're already uh, seeing that perhaps some of those six cuts are being dialed back and we're seeing a pickup in interest rates. But the difference, as we can see this morning, between three and six is very important, because three rate cuts may mean we have a preemptive Fed. Six rate cuts may mean that we have a Fed that's behind the eight ball and needing to act aggressively. So if we were to see three rate cuts and they have a preemptive Fed, that would be a Fed that is anticipating some slowdown mixed with some acknowledgement that perhaps they didn't have to raise rates as much as they did last year, but that they had to be comfortable and achieve a margin of error so that they were comfortable that they squashed the remaining inflation embers. And that now that the Fed has, in effect, achieved its ability to quell the inflationary bug that's out there. Um, now the Fed, in this preemptive mode, which is three rate cuts, can glide the economy into the proverbial soft landing. And if we see three rate cuts, even though the markets right now think that they want six rate cuts, it's more than likely that what that would mean is that stocks probably would be performed more favorably in that scenario uh, because we would maintain a strong economy, we would maintain an environment where earnings continue to grow, we would have slightly lower interest rates, which would be a positive, but we wouldn't have this sharp reduction in interest rates, and that perhaps wouldn't be as bullish for high-quality bonds, which uh, would perhaps not see a dramatic change from uh, current levels, let's say, of the 10-year of around 4%. Now, at the moment, the markets seem to be telling us that they prefer six-rate cuts. And that's what's being priced into the Fed Fund's futures, at least at the moment. But six rate cuts probably comes with some baggage, meaning that if the Fed needs to cut six times, then they will probably be acknowledging that last year they over-tightened, they overdid it. Um, the economy is slowing meaningfully. Perhaps if they have to cut six times, unemployment is picking up beyond what was uh, previously hoped for, which was some uptick in unemployment. And we may be headed for a recession. And this scenario would imply outperformance in bonds, especially high-quality bonds, but weakness for equities. And Bloomberg talked about this a little bit this morning, acknowledging that so far at the beginning of this year, the stock market has been pretty quiet. The major indices are pretty much flat through mid-January. Meanwhile, the MOVE index, that's M-O-V-E, which is basically the VIX or the volatility index for bonds, has fallen since the beginning of the year. One thing that's worth watching, Bloomberg says, is where the action in the bond market is actually happening. Since the end of December, since the beginning of the year, the 10-year has actually increased modestly since the start of the year, while two-year yields have declined. And this is as investors have been pricing in rate cuts coming sooner. 
Therefore, there's been a pretty significant re-steepening of the yield curve lately. The two-year spread, meaning two-year treasuries, the 10-year spread, so the difference between the two-year treasury and the 10-year treasury, is now the least inverted since October. Again, an inverted yield curve is when that two-year is higher than the 10-year. So right now, it's the least inverted, meaning that the difference between the two-year, which is higher than the 10-year, is the least higher than the 10-year it's been since October. And is it possible that we could be setting ourselves up for a possible steepening of the yield curve and the end of this inversion? What's interesting here is that we may be at the end of the rally and the long end of the Treasury curve, right? Since what we've been seeing is since the beginning of the year, the markets are anticipating Fed rate cuts. But what's been happening is the 10-year, which moved a lot at the end of last year, has not budged. It's the short end of the yield curve where we see rates declining. We are not seeing rates declining in the longer end of the yield curve, which you might imply means that the long end of the yield curve has largely exhausted its move to the downside, meaning yields have moved down about as much as they're going to go, and therefore any further cuts are going to only be on the shorter end, which means that the longer-term treasuries may not have a lot more price appreciation built into them. The one scenario where you may see meaningful appreciation in longer-term bonds, especially longer-term treasuries, is the scenario where we do get that hard landing, where the Fed does have to cut rates six times and the economy is a lot worse than expected, and therefore those uh, 10-year, 20-year, 30-year treasury rates decline more than anticipated. Of course, time will tell. We will get more feedback as the year progresses uh, regarding the economy. We do get some more data this week. We're going to talk about that, and we had some Fed governors already speaking this morning. So this uh, narrative between three and six rate cuts, uh, at least that's the, that's the, where we are in the, in the in the story of the Federal Reserve and the story of the markets. That's where we are today. Three versus six, or perhaps four, five, six, or perhaps zero, one, two. But markets are focused right now on three, six, and that's what uh, you may want to keep your eye on in the near term if you are following the financial markets. So this morning, S and P futures right now uh, give you. Let's see if I can get you more up to date. Um, are down about 20 points off uh, their uh, levels just from just a few minutes ago. Dow futures uh, down about 92. NASDAQ futures being led lower predominantly by Apple down about uh, 80 points. Oil this morning is up about uh, 45 cents a barrel to 73.13. Some activity in the Red Sea again. And the 10-year Treasury, which was just over 4%, is it now at 3.997. So we're hovering right around that 4% level. This holiday shortened week is is setting up uh, on a lower note due in part to pre-open losses in influential stocks like Apple, Tesla, and Boeing. And the rising rates that I just mentioned have also contributed to the negative bias this morning with that 10-year uh, flirting with 4%, up six basis points from Friday. Right now it's up about five basis points from Friday. And the two-year note is up about six basis points from Friday, all the way up to about 4.21%. And then we have geopolitical worries uh, continuing this week after a Houthi missile struck a U.S. commercial ship, according to the New York Times. China is expected to increase coercive measures toward Taiwan, according to Axios, after Lai Ching Taiwan won Taiwan's presidential election, and he is more inclined to uh, be friendly to the United States, and uh, he ran on a platform of hostility towards China, and uh, China clearly not uh, pleased with those election results. Also on a China-related note, the People's Bank of China left its medium-term policy rate unchanged, but there has been a lot of speculation about more stimulus in China in the near future, perhaps a $100 billion long-term federal government in China taking more of a lead from the local governments in propping up the economy 
in China. Also, last night, uh, Donald Trump won the Republican Iowa caucuses with record 51 support, 51% support. Uh, Ron DeSantis, badly needing a, a second place finish, achieved that, although slightly, only slightly ahead of uh, Nikki Haley, who came in third place. DeSantis uh, received about 21% of the vote, Haley about 19%. Vivek Ramaswamy officially uh, suspended his campaign. Um, another word for ending his campaign, and he endorsed Donald Trump. The reason that you suspend your campaign is that you can still collect funds to pay off any debt you have, so you don't end it, you suspend it. Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic, who is an FOMC voting member, warned that progress on inflation is likely to slow, according to the Financial Times. Politico reporting that Congress will vote on a continuing resolution this week to fund the government through March 8th. Congress will then have more time to pass remaining appropriations bills that will fund the government through September 30th. Overseas, equity indices in the Asia-Pacific region ended on a mixed note. In Hong Kong, the markets were down over 2%. And in China, the markets were up about three-tenths of 1%. Japan, down just under 1%. Major European markets are trading in the red, uh, down about half of 1%. In individual company news, we did get a uh, slew of earnings. Uh, Goldman Sachs up about 1%. They beat earnings by $1.86. They also beat on revenues. Morgan Stanley out with earnings this morning. Stocks up about a dollar, one percent. They beat by six cents. They've reported revenues in line. PNC Bank trading about one percent lower. Uh, they beat by a dollar four, and they also beat on revenues. But they see first quarter revenues below consensus, and they said that 2024 revenues will be in line. Market's not as uh, positive on those forward guidance uh, at PNC. Tractor Supply symbol TSCO. Perhaps the first of perhaps many to keep an eye on, saying that they are seeing delayed deliveries due to Red Sea issues. Um, that stock is down about 3% uh, this morning. Starbucks upgraded by an analyst to overweight from equal weight. It's up about half of 1%. Boeing downgraded to equal weight from overweight at Wells Fargo. The big story with Boeing is that China has delayed delivery of Boeing 737 MAX jets. According to the Wall Street Journal, Boeing down to about $213 a share, down another $5 this morning. I mentioned Apple and Tesla. So Apple trading down pre-market after some headlines. They're going to close a 121-person team related to artificial intelligence in San Diego, according to Bloomberg. Apple also announcing they will remove the blood oxygen sensor from the Apple Watch. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. And New York Times is reporting that Apple is going to discount iPhones in China by $70. Tesla is down pre-open after CEO Elon Musk said, quote, I am uncomfortable growing Tesla to be a leader in AI and robotics without having 25% voting control, enough to be influential, but not so much that I can't be overturned, end quote. And this coming after uh, Musk sold a bunch of Tesla stock uh, in order to purchase Twitter, now known as X, and now making a play to the board to try and get more stock, which obviously could be dilutive and uh, giving him a greater say over the company, which uh, could have positive or negative implications. Tesla stock down only about $3 on that, uh, or 1.5%. What do we have going on this week? Um, I mentioned a bunch of financial stocks. And we've got more to come. Already Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and PNC announced earnings. Also, uh, we will get Charles Schwab, Discover Financial, and U.S. Bank Corp. tomorrow on Wednesday. Truist Financial reports on Thursday. Fifth, Third Bank, and State Street close out the week on Friday. On Wednesday, the Census Bureau reports retail sales data for December. 
looking for U.S. retail and food service sales to increase four-tenths of one percent. That's after a three-tenths of a percent rise in November. Excluding autos, retail sales are expected to be up two-tenths of one percent, matching the November figure. And then Friday, the University of Michigan releases its Consumer Sentiment Survey for January. What's going to be carefully watched here is consumer expectations for the year ahead. That number indicated that consumers are expecting prices to increase 3.1% in December, which was the lowest level since March of 21. So we'll see if that lower, lower trending uh, expectations on the uh, CPI or, well, not really CPI, but the consumer expectations of inflation continues. That is an important factor in uh, driving inflation expectations going forward because consumers are also workers, and if they think inflation will be fairly low, they will be more satisfied with less wage growth. So moving on to Barron's. Barron's talked about uh, the topic uh, that we uh, discussed a little bit ago, which is would big rate cuts really help stocks? And they say history offers some warnings. So the Fed has lowered interest rates only five times in the past 90 years when the Core consumer price index, that's consumer prices excluding food and energy, has been growing faster than the unemployment rate. That's according to Bank America. And currently, CPI is running at 3.9%, excluding food and energy, and the jobless rate is running at 3.7%. So if we were to see a rate cut now, it would be one of those rare instances that has only happened five times in the past 90 years. This would be the sixth time. And if you look at those past five times, what you will see is that Four of those five times happened when we were starting to experience inflation due to oil shocks in the 1970s and 1980s, and the other was in the uh, 1940s. So most of those cuts that did take place in a period when we were seeing unemployment running lower than the CPI, when it were during periods of stagflation, which is a period when we're seeing rapidly rising prices and sluggish economic growth. This, therefore, would be a period that, if this were to take place, perhaps looks different than those previous times, the other time in World War II, so a unique outlier. So expecting the Fed to cut rates while the core CPI is greater than the unemployment rate is a big ask uh, of the Federal Reserve. So would be uh, something that would be unique and perhaps may, on reflection, lessen the probability that we will see a change in the Fed funds rate without a lowering further of inflation or an uptick in the unemployment rate. Another factor perhaps weighing on financial markets is the thought process uh, that there's a lot of cash sitting on the sidelines because a lot of money moved into money markets. Uh, That money moved out of bank deposits in many cases with big money center banks still paying interest rates close to zero. Logically, uh, many folks uh, move some of that money into money market funds, and that money is sitting on the sidelines. Now, some on uh, Wall Street are expecting that money to move possibly into stocks, that being possible, you know, uh, kindling for uh, the potential for uh, equity prices to move higher as that money moves into the market. But some are saying, hold on, slow down. This money that moved into money markets is not the typical money market funds that are waiting to move into equity markets. Uh, but this is possibly money that was just in savings accounts, and uh, this is money that folks view as core savings, and therefore is not funds that will be invested, and perhaps there's less kindling, so to speak, to fuel the equity market than some anticipate. Looking back at uh, last week, we saw last week that the S&P 500 just couldn't quite make it to a record close. 
with which is something that the S&P has been striving towards for the last several weeks. The S&P did break out to a uh, a level above its uh, closing high last week, but then settled back and was unable to uh, break its record. Nevertheless, the S&P last week ended the week up 1.8%, about three-tenths of 1% off its record closing high. The Dow rose three-tenths of 1%, and the NASDAQ was up 3.1%. Last week, nothing seemed able to knock the market down. We had December's Consumer Price Index come in at a positive three-tenths of 1%, which was a tenth of a point above expectations. Uh, Also, that number on its face uh, wasn't great for investors who had hoped that inflation will fade away and the Fed would turn its attention to cutting rather than raising rates. But the data was complicated. And after uh, the markets digested the data, at least uh, at the end of last week, the markets decided that they still saw a 79% chance of a rate cut as soon as March of next year. We're somewhat unwinding that this morning. Last week, we also uh, got some earnings as earnings seasons uh, kicked off, and we got uh, earnings from J.P. Morgan, Bank America, and Wells Fargo on Friday. All three of those stocks traded lower despite posting uh, some pretty solid numbers. Citigroup was the loan outperformer, rising about 1% after saying it would cut about 10% uh, of its staff. Perhaps most importantly, the most important metric we got last week from the banks was uh, the narrative about consumer health. Uh, specifically, uh, Brian Moynihan, the CEO of Bank of America, said, quote, uh, they're still spending, talking about the consumer, where, where they spend is a little different, more in services and going out in restaurants and experiences and less on goods at retail. Um, it is interesting to note that about a year ago, uh, Moynihan, the CEO of uh, Bank America, had warned that a recession uh, was uh, more than likely on its way. But at this earnings call, he said he felt that the markets were perhaps uh, well set up for a soft landing. So hopefully his predictions this year are better than uh, what he was expecting last year. Speaking of uh, what the uh, experts have to say and think, Barron put their pros together and had a, a roundtable discussion as their uh, cover story for uh, this week's magazine. And they talked about the financial markets and uh, pretty pretty broad consensus expectation with few exceptions. Uh, the members of the 2024 Barron's Roundtable expect the stock market to disappoint uh, in 2024. They see the index delivering returns of minus 5% to plus 5% for the full year. They don't see a ruinous recession. They expect the Federal Reserve to lower rates at some point during the year. Their main worry is that stocks are too richly valued, leaving little margin for error. Those with a sunnier view cite massive capital investment across the economy, promise of new technologies like artificial intelligence, and incipient investor affection for the less magnificent 493 stocks. Barron's also ran an interesting article on, I mentioned dividend uh, kings. Uh, What are dividend kings? Well, dividend kings are a subset of dividend aristocrats. Dividend aristocrats are companies that have raised their dividends for the past 25 years. Dividend kings are companies that have raised their payouts for 60 years or more. So in this group of uh, dividend kings, the champ... With 69 straight years of dividend increases, is probably a company that uh, you wouldn't have guessed, at least I certainly wouldn't have, and it's American States Water, symbol AWR, which is a smallish California utility, $3 billion market value, that supplies water to 80 communities in California. 
American States Water has a excellent long-term record with an annualized 12.5% return since 1988 versus 10.8% for the S&P 500, which is quite an impressive showing for a lower-risk utility. The stock yields about 2.2%. It has a sub-3% yield, obviously, like many of the stocks on this list. Um, they aren't necessarily high payers, but they are stocks that have been uh, growing their dividends. Also on this list uh, are some that uh, are less surprising, like Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, and Colgate Palmolive. All have had annualized returns, including reinvested dividends in the 12 to 13% range since, 2000, uh, since 1988. That's a seemingly small gap to the S&P 500, 10.8% annual return, but over a long period of time, that 2 to 3% difference makes a big difference over that extended period of time. The ability to boost dividends for 60 years is a sign of strength and quality that investors may want to consider in a stock. How did the Kings do well last year? Well, they didn't do so well. They posted a sub-10% return, which obviously isn't too bad, but uh, doesn't stack up uh, great against the 23.8% return in the S&P 500. You may say, well, why did this uh, group underperform the S&P last year? It's because quality dividend payers trail the overall market as 2 to 3% dividend yields don't look so appealing with short rates at 5% as they did with rates when they were close to zero. The list of kings also includes a group of industrial companies like Dover, Parker Hannafin, Genuine Parts, Emerson Electric, Nordson, uh, 3M. Lowe's makes the cut as the Cincinnati Financial. Uh, which is a property and a casualty insurer. Another name you may not be as familiar with, Northwest Natural Holdings, which is a gas utility in the Pacific Northwest. And one little-known winner is Lancaster Colony, an Ohio-based food company with a $4.5 billion market value, having a strong long-term track record of 13.5% annual return since 1988. Lancaster Colony has a leadership position in niche products like refrigerated salad dressings, frozen garlic bread, and packaged salad croutons. It gets about half its sales from food service. Lancaster has grown its sales at an 11% annual clip since 1971. The conservative company has no debt, has doubled its dividends over the past 10 years, and uh, this company is uh, currently yielding just over 2%. Uh, the symbol is LANC, but Keep in mind, it does not trade cheaply, so this is not undiscovered. It's just maybe unknown to most investors. It's trading currently at about 28 times projected earnings, double the P.E. ratio of many food companies, and that's after having fallen 15% last year. Finally, before I turn things over to uh, Brad, we'll mention Varen uh, did have an important article for anyone uh, who may have gotten divorced recently or maybe contemplating divorce. Um, that remarrying can have financial pitfalls and remarrying can affect your social security benefits. So anyone that you know who may be, you know, in this situation, it's important for them to understand, uh, you know, how social security could affect their status if they were to consider to remarry. So if, if you do get divorced and you were married at least 10 years, uh, then you are eligible to collect benefits from your ex-spouse's Social Security. So if you're if you are at least 62, you're married uh, at least 10 years, and your ex qualifies for retirement benefits, then you would be able to collect benefits based on your marriage to your ex spouse. But if you were to remarry, there's a good chance uh, that those benefits would go away 
uh, something uh, to consider. Also, if you are widowed, there's an additional wrinkle. If you remarry before age 60, you aren't entitled to survivor benefits on your deceased spouse's earning record. Survivor benefits are often higher than spousal benefits, uh, so eligibility for them could be a timing factor in remarriage. So important if you are widowed uh, to think about whether or not to get remarried before the age of uh, 60. Also, if you do get divorced and you are collecting spousal benefits uh, from a previous spouse and that spouse passes away, then you would be entitled to, to their benefits as opposed to spousal benefits. So all things to uh, bear in mind as uh, these little uh, differences make a big difference in terms of uh, in terms of living out your retirement years if these circumstances uh, apply to you or someone that you care about. I'm going to turn it over to Brad to provide some more thoughts and insights uh, this morning. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, everyone. A couple of weeks ago, I alluded to the fact that with Fed funds still at five and a quarter percent and the tenure at four percent. The market was predicting six cuts or 150 base points in total if the market were to get back to the normal, normalized yield curve. Keith was discussing this this morning, but just want to reiterate this. Uh, it said that I felt that the Fed is signaling three rate cuts or 75 base points in total. It's hard to imagine with all the work that the Fed did trying to cool inflation and with the economic numbers we've seen this year so far, that six cuts would be in the cards at this moment. However, if the economy falters, which the market seems to be saying, then, of course, it is possible. If you're in the camp that the Fed is going to cut six times this year, then you want to be in bonds. The municipals is the area that I still see some opportunity in. The municipal institutional market with bonds that have 5% coupons in 10 years has had a gigantic rally and is pricing very aggressively. The secondary market with lower coupon bonds for a buy-and-hold investor hold a lot more value, in my opinion. Historically, eventually, the spread between these coupons will shrink. There are reasons institutions and certain investors want those 5% bonds with big premiums. And generally speaking, the type of investors we speak with, at this point, these discount bonds look appealing. I have a feeling with just about everyone back in the saddle, regardless of what happens in the Treasury market, there will be demand for bonds this week. I hope everyone has a great week. I'll turn it back to Keith. Thanks. Thank you, Brad. That's everything I've got. Thank you for listening to Mr. Keith Lantern. This podcast is available on most platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. For more information, please visit our website at www.heraldlantern.com. Opinions expressed herein are subject to change and not necessarily the opinion of the firm. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The information presented herein is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide personal investment advice. It is important that you consider your tolerance for risk and investment goals when making investment decisions. Investing in securities does involve risk and the potential of losing money. The material does not constitute research, investment advice, or trade recommendations.